Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I want to stress from the outset that this pandemic is far from over. This is all about trust now and personal responsibility and just being careful and not being selfish. We need people to have faith that this vaccine is safe and that they should take it. The idea of an irreversible move was taken off the table. You can't do that when you have no idea where the virus is going to go. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Caroline Hepke. Now, Boris Johnson's plan to get Britain back to normal is at risk of being derailed as the UK sees some of the highest coronavirus case numbers in the world. More than 47,000 positive cases reported on Sunday after over 54,000 on Saturday. Plus, the Prime Minister is fighting to regain his own credibility after a furious backlash forced him and the Chancellor Rishi Sunak to abandon an initial attempt to avoid their own self-isolation rules. But Freedom Day, as some in the UK media have dubbed it, has meant really a tightrope for the government. Businesses want fewer workers to be forced to self-isolate versus nervous voters who are nonetheless weary of lockdowns. Well, of course, the Labour Party has been highly critical of uh, Boris Johnson's actions. The health spokesman Jonathan Ashworth over the weekend saying that the public would view the decision trying to sidestep the self-isolation rules as one rule for them and something else for the rest of us. Well, joining us now is Andy McDonnell, who is Labour MP for Middlesbrough. Andy, thank you so much for being with us today on this reopening day, I'll call it, rather than Freedom Day. That seems to be such a loaded term. I mean, Boris Johnson did make a U-turn. He is in self-isolation today. And so he should be. Um, but I'm afraid what little credibility he has left has been shot to pieces by the, the last 24, 48 hours. I mean, this was a shameless attempt to avoid the very rules that uh, he uh, draws up. And, and the, the, the recent history of COVID is littered with these uh, stories. Uh, and I think people need to have faith and trust in their prime minister and when he behaves like this, I'm afraid any semblance of that has disappeared as a result. And what he's done is simply abrogate responsibility and left it to employers and to businesses uh, to make decisions, transport providers as well, rather than giving a very clear uh, and certain position, which is where people like to be. So I'm afraid the decision-making over the last uh, period has been truly woeful. And it's, uh, it's no surprise to me that people are confused and anxious. It's dubbed Freedom Day or Terminus Day. For an awful lot of people, it's Anxiety Day. And uh, trying to mm. cope with this is going to take some, take some doing. But Andy, surely it's more difficult than that, more complex. I mean, there are so many competing issues here, as I mentioned. It's a tightrope for the government. We cannot stay locked down forever. I, I wholeheartedly agree. We, we cannot... But it's how you uh, move safely into a, a freer environment that's the, that's the key. 
And I would uh, contend that they've made the wrong decisions here. I mean, happily, uh, our National Health Service are going to have the benefit of being able, the, the workers, uh, the front line are going to have the, the ability, if they are double vaccinated and clear, to continue despite having received notification that they've been in, in, in proximity to somebody who's tested uh, positive. That makes sense to me. Uh, and that's the right way to go. But to marry that with just a blanket uh, freedom from mask wearing and social distancing elsewhere is the wrong balance, in my view. It is a tightrope. And I think mm. the, the government are, are tilting the wrong way on this tightrope. And it will cause businesses to fall over if they don't have that ability. But to give the employers the responsibility to to, to say, I have to now police my own premises and face those difficult conversations mm. is not reassuring. It doesn't give people confidence, and that's what's lacking here. Okay. I mean, surely the alternative, though, is authoritarianism, effectively, rules-based for years from by government diktat, effectively, and a lot of businesses and workers don't want that either. They don't want to self-isolate, for example. I mean, we, we can't have it both ways, you know, the pandemic. Well, I, I, I hear that, but I think the polls tend to suggest that people would be content to continue with mask wearing, and people will. So it's not a question of being authoritarian about it. It's doing the right thing in these circumstances. And, and people will reluctantly, in my view, continue to adhere to those guidelines voluntarily, rather because they know it's the right thing to do. What's going to be so annoying is when there are others who, who just want to disregard and put other people at risk. And it's the most generous act of kindness we can show to our fellow citizens if we protect them by wearing a mask. And why wouldn't we do that? We've all pulled together through this. We can continue with that for some little time yet. And in other jurisdictions, you'll see it's more, more widely adopted in peacetime. Um, so I think we've got some uh, issues to still resolve here. But Doing this at this time, I think, is the wrong thing to have done. And, and I think the people are making it clear that they do not agree with the government's position on this. If the government has been so poor, though, during this pandemic, um, if the decision making from Boris Johnson has been so bad and so obviously so, why do you think that Labour has struggled to make inroads, really, into making this argument to voters mm. Um you know, and it's clear that, that Keir Starmer has struggled with that, and as has Labour. Well, I, I think there's just the, a singularity of purpose of the British people to get through this, and mm. that is people coming together. And that's, and so that is really why, um, you know, when we set out on this uh, this path, we were not in the business of simply criticising the government for its own sake. This was an unusual time. This was a time for national unity. And we've seen that with the incredible work that people have done at the front line. They have really put themselves at risk by sustaining our public services and our economy. So I can readily accept that people will say, well, do you know what? I think ordinary politics has to be relegated whilst we deal with this crisis, this pandemic, 
that's just devastating our health service and our mm. economy. We need to focus on that. So I'm not surprised that there's that uh, unity of purpose, and I think that's got to be embraced. But it's got to be a relationship between government and the people that's built on trust. And, and sadly, I see that beginning to erode and crumble with these continuous self-inflicted wounds of this government in making okay. the wrong decisions at critical times. Um if it's about trust, is that both ways? I mean, the surveys say that Brits want restrictions to remain in place. Are we actually obeying the rules, though, really? Do you see everybody within your constituency when you're out and about obeying all the rules around masking and social distancing and school bubbles and self-isolation? I know that now it's coming to an end, but, you know, even over the weekend... Well, my difficulty, Caroline, is that I've been subjected to back-to-back self-isolation periods, say for Mm -hmm. glorious 24 hours when I was pinged straight back into it. So actually observing what's happening on the streetscape is is beyond me at the minute. So I pick up my information from other sources. And I've just heard from one of our local railway stations where somebody's observed that the majority of people are voluntarily wearing their masks and some are not. So I think my experience over the last many months of my constituency is that people want to adhere to the rules um, but we have had difficulties in getting everybody vaccinated that is for sure there are still some pockets where that hasn't been universally administered for uh, complex reasons Uh, but we've got to persevere with that but i think there's a great willingness there's a there's a, a natural conservatism with a small c of people and they and they really do get the need to stick to the rules. That's why government should stick to the rules. When it makes rules, it should give a lead and show that they will adhere to them, not have to be embarrassed into doing so or being exposed for having been in breach of those rules. We um, we are actually all in this together and they should they should do the right thing. Andy, a couple of things over the summer and into September. Um, travel restrictions, I mean, they are still there, even if not in actual name. It's very difficult to get to France, for example, to make gateway into Europe. And then we're also expecting a decision on vaccinating under 18s, which is sort of crucial yes. for getting back to school. A word on those? Well, on the, on the latter, um, I think we, we're looking to other jurisdictions in the United States where vaccinating children is much more uh, widespread. I think the government have got it right in focusing in the first instance on vulnerable children. Um, and I think it, it's, just, it's just one of these kind of where you've got to keep that under constant review. But the government are making a start on this uh, thorny uh, issue. It is a difficult area, but I think that approach is, in my view, broadly the right one. Um, where we go thereafter uh, is going to be down to guidance and advice from the JVCI and others. Um, but I will bow to better medical and scientific opinion in that regard. But I think the government is in the right place. On the issue of, 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 of travel, um, it's sort of full circle back to my original point. I think people are being very cautious. I don't know what it is in your social circle. But I'm hearing people who simply say, well, not this year. I'm, I'm really going to, um, you know, back down and just see this through. But clearly people will want to to, 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 to move. And that's good. And not always because of, of, of purely for um, social and holidaying reasons. There are other purposes that people need to 
be able to move around uh, with yeah. some freedom. Yeah. Um, and, and how yeah. far we, we go with that is it is complex. What people yes. are asking for is better notice. I think being caught on yes. the hop and being abandoned in some place, having to isolate, that's where the problems lie. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Let's have a look at what is making news in the world of politics. So the triple lock guarantee for pensioners is, quote, safe. That, according to the business secretary, Kwasi Kwarteng, who says that he believes that the government should keep the promise made in the Tory election manifesto to retain that measure. So effectively, it guarantees the state pension increases in line either with inflation, earnings or two and a half percent, whichever is higher. Uh, The Office for Budget Responsibility said earlier in July that pensioners could see their payouts rise as much as 8% from April 2022. Meanwhile, homeowners have gained more than £21,000 of wealth on average over the last six months. That's after a buying frenzy triggered a temporary, triggered by the temporary uh, stamp duty cut and also rising consumer confidence. So those figures out this morning from Right Move showing that asking prices for properties rose 0.7% in July, the biggest increase for that time of year since 2007. And lastly, consumer confidence has returned to pre-pandemic levels in the past three months as government support helped people's personal finances. That according to the latest consumer tracker Deloitte. So they surveyed 3,000 consumers in June. They found that confidence in terms of job security had improved and also a broad increase in leisure spending during that period as pubs and restaurants reopened. So those are some of the stories that we are watching out uh, for today. Meanwhile, let's talk about reopening in England, all of the measures being rolled back across the country today. Not quite the Freedom Day that I think the Prime Minister might have hoped for, but what comes next? Joining me now is Dr Arthur Hosey, who is currently working as a Life Science and Educations Course Director at the University of Staffordshire. Dr Hosey, thank you so much for joining me. I suppose this is the question on everyone's minds, isn't it, today? It's a rather nervous reopening. Is this the right time to be reopening and dropping all restrictions in England? It is a nervous reopening and um, I don't believe it is the right time with the rising number of cases which will inevitably result in a large amount of suffering and death um, then I think um, it would have been prudent to perhaps have waited a month um, to see um, what impact the school closures um, of course we're about to close down for the school holidays that would have helped to bring the number of cases down a little Um, 
But um, there is the argument that we need to learn to live with the virus. But I think to um, remove all the mitigations that are required in order to do that um, is actually dangerous. I think there is a better way to have eased this lockdown and rather than doing everything together at once, perhaps to have kept some of the mitigations such as social distancing and mask wearing in place would have actually minimised the impact from a public health point of view. It's far too early and the way we're going about it is, is dangerous. Does personal responsibility in judging what measures to take work, in your view? It doesn't, because ultimately what we're dependent upon is others taking the same personal responsibility. Um, The phrase, we're only as strong as the weakest link, is definitely in play here. Um, There are um, a proportion of society that are prepared to take risks with their own health and well-being, but in so doing, they're actually taking risks with our health and well-being. So I don't think it is right to place all the responsibility upon individuals. I think what we need is good leadership. We need actually people um, in government to actually make the right decisions to, pre- pre- to ultimately protect the health and well-being of their citizens. And um, to abrogate that responsibility, to pass it on to individuals alone, is ultimately going to result in social tension, in my opinion. We're going to have people that are going to comply um, with the guidance and people that are just going to do their own thing. And I think um, if mitigations such as wearing of masks only really work effectively um, or fairly effectively if we actually get a high level of uptake of these mitigations. So I think, unfortunately, the public health messaging has been confused and I think it will result in, as I say, social tension and perhaps the measures that we need to keep in place to um, contain the transmission are just going to um, not be effective enough. Mm, Okay. How real is the threat in your view? I mean, you're a microbiologist. Um, How how real is the threat of variants emerging um, in the UK by sort of evading, evading vaccines? How much of a concern is that? It is a, a big concern, especially um, since we're giving a lots of opportunity for the virus to actually do that. Um, the more virus you have in circulation in a population, the more likely it is that it will actually change and adapt. We know that the virus will change, we just don't know how, um, and we're ultimately um, waiting with bated breath just to, to see what changes might arise. But we have given an opportunity for the virus to change. Also, we've got that selective pressure. We've got the vaccines there. So um, the virus definitely has a reason to change um, in in order to actually um, keep the transmission going. It needs to somehow find a way to escape these vaccines. So we're providing the right conditions to actually um, enable this to occur. But there's a chance, there's um, there's hope that we, this might not arise, but we are, um, as I say, increasing the probability that this will arise by the measures that we're taking now. Mm. With half the population vaccinated and all adults having been offered at least um, a jab, according to the Prime Minister, um, can this really be described as, as dangerous or have we done enough? No, we haven't done enough because um, we have just over half the um, vulnerable population um, immunised. Ultimately, that's still um, almost half of the population that are still susceptible to some impact upon the virus. We also know that um, even the people that have two doses of the vaccines can still um, contract the coronavirus and be responsible for transmission. Offering vaccines alone is not enough. We need to encourage everyone to come forward and to take these vaccine opportunities when they arise. Mm. We need to get far much, far greater proportion of the population to be immunised. We don't yet know what the threshold is to enable, if you like, the, the, 
the curtailing of transmission. Um, there are some figures bandied around of between 80 and 90 percent of um, the adult population, or indeed the total population, to be immunised. We're very far off that. If we had mm-hmm. delayed the lockdown um, easing, or rather the strict restriction on easing, by another month, we'd have been closer to that threshold. But at, at the moment, we've still got an, an awful lot of um, virus in circulation. So if you were going to ease lockdowns in these circumstances, then it would have been prudent to have kept the mitigations such as mask wearing and social distance in place until we actually reached um, that threshold level that we need of um, greater vaccine mm. uptake. Um, critics abroad, um, Dr. Hosey, I've read a number of articles about not, not governments, but sort of independent scientists um, in other countries being very critical of the UK and saying that actually the UK and what we're doing here is a kind of petri dish and experiment that will have global ramifications. I mean, there is no framework, no mechanism for dealing with that, just really as the World Health Organization has struggled to find the origin of the pandemic, you know, and get cooperation in China, for example, it may be true with this reopening also. It is true, and unfortunately, we have seen what impact um, the Alpha variant has. The Alpha variant was, of course, the variant that arose in Kent within the UK, and very quickly it spread around Europe and, and indeed around the globe. And of course, that was more transmissible. The Delta variant, which originated in India, was very um, quickly brought into the UK through easing um, or the delay in actually putting it on the red list. Um, I think the management of the border controls has been poor throughout this pandemic and ultimately what we have now, as some people have described, is a a bit of an experiment to see what the virus evolution is going to be and we're giving the right conditions for that virus evolution to take place within the UK. So I think it would be right, however, to acknowledge that there's a lot of unknowns ahead of us. We don't know what impact the um, vaccines have fully upon transmission. We don't know... um, how many people are going to suffer in the the coming weeks and perhaps months um, with the easing of these restrictions. But I think not because we don't know, it would have been more prudent to have taken a more cautious approach. Um, I think, Mm. yes, the virus evolution is a concern, but for me, a concern is the number of people that are going to suffer long-term health consequences and also the number of people that are going to die um, unnecessarily through this infection. But surely those numbers are going to be much, much lower than they were pre-vaccine. Yes, they are. They will be lower, but um, ultimately um, death uh, is um, a terminal um, consequence and ultimately human life is important. And I think, um, yes, we're talking about 25 deaths a day in the UK here currently. Um, That's without these mitigations being removed. I think very quickly we're going to see that number rise because, of course, Mm. there is that lag. We're seeing hospitalisations increase now. We're going to see um, deaths increase. We don't yet know how much, but ultimately these are avoidable deaths. If we can save human life um, by Mm. carrying on a few um, mitigations, such as the wearing of masks and social distancing, then that's important. So, yes, the vaccines have brought the, um, the numbers down. The UK government is prepared to sacrifice their population um, in this experiment because, of, um, as I say, we don't yet know. And that's something that I find as a scientist a little bit troubling. Um, and I just wish we had taken perhaps a different approach, a bit more, bit more cautious approach um, out of the easing of the lockdown. I think we can look at what is happening in Scotland just now. We can see that within Scotland, the um, 
they um, have kept mitigations in place there. Um, they've kept them in place just as the school uh, the schools are on holiday, and we're seeing the numbers mm-hmm. decrease. Scotland was in a bad place about a month ago. It's a much better place um, compared to the rest of the UK currently because of the, um, the mitigations that they kept in place. We could have learned from that in England, um, but we have taken a different route. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.